reading this morning is Philippians chapter there, a voice from above. The scripture reading this morning is Philippians 4, verses 2 through 9. I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. may be seated. Thank you, Ted. Your passion for worship and your spirit of excellence is unmatched. Ted does a ton of things behind the scenes that uh, both services benefit from every week. So thank you. Love you a lot. Before we get started in the sermon, we do have a spotlight. Chesney Ward, are you here? Will you please stand just for a little bit, not long? There's Chesney right back there. Give her. Chesney. Yes, Chesney's placing worship. Uh, placing wor you're worshiping too. You're placing membership with us. And she's a social worker. So thankful you're here. So please get to know her. And it's so fun to be a part of this church. This is a blessing. I'm leaving not because I want to, but because the Lord has called us somewhere else. This is a great place. Glad you're here. You know, I was kind of overcome with emotion. Um, I did get in first service, by the way. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I cried quite a bit. But I was overcome with emotions. We're singing about how holy is the Lord. And then I had a picture. This is the only time I get emotional today, I promise. Um, my parents are here. <laughs> and when you have supportive parents, it makes all the difference in the world. much better than I deserve. Thank you, God. So, let's talk about some good news here. All right. <laughs> the first thing I wanted to say to you this morning, go on to the next slide. You are alive in Christ. You are alive in Christ. You are a son, a daughter to the king. You are a new creation in Christ. You are a child of God. Right, Kevin? You are a child of God. That's who you are. You, you, you've been redeemed. You're covered by the blood and the righteousness of Jesus. You are a co-heir with Jesus Christ. If you're in Christ, if you've, if you've taken him on in baptism, been born again by the water of the Spirit, you've got to think daily about who you are in Jesus Christ. It's so important. Each and every one of us, I mean, we're, we're a branch to the vine. I mean, he so loved us that he sent his one and only son to die for us. 
It's unbelievable. This unconditional love, this grace, this mercy, it's real. And grace is not a doctrine. It's not a theology. It's a person. His name is Jesus, and he came full of grace and truth. His love for you is unmatched. It's a big, amazing love. It's too good to be true. And then within that context is the new creation in Christ. We also know that life is not easy. And, and we struggle at times. And, and sin, you know, we still have the capacity to sin. We can still choose to sin. And, and we're in a spiritual battle. And the enemy wants to try and separate us from the love of God, even though nothing can. And so we're in this battle, this daily battle now. We can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. And we fight this battle from a place of victory because the victory's already been won not for victory, but it's still a challenge. And we all want to live a holy and pleasing life to God, and we want to do great things for His glory, be a light that shine before, shines before men. We want to produce much fruit for His glory because that's what He's called us and appointed us to do. But it's not always easy. And I want to talk about something a little bit this morning, unpack Romans 6 a little bit, because what I'm going to, I'm going to read my notes to you. I'm going to stick to the notes more than usual today because I think this is foundational truth that we need to grasp. If you don't know it already, I pray that you get a revelation this morning. If I'm just reminding you, that's okay because life is all about renewing in the minds of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, Word of God. But Romans 6, before we segue into Philippians 4, again, you're dead to sin, you're alive in Christ. Read this with me, then I want to talk about it a little bit this morning. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ, Jesus were baptized into his death? Freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Live right now a new life, not the sweet by and by, right now. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. If you have been baptized, born again of the water and spirit, take Jesus Christ on and baptize, you have been crucified with Christ. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You are alive in Christ Jesus. This makes us Christ conscious. We're to set our hearts, our minds on things above. He's already dealt with your sin. He's not sin conscious anymore. You've been crucified with Christ. Now, I want to focus on the depths of kind of what this means, and so I'm going to have Romans 6, 6 through 7, and 11, the next slide, up there for a while, okay? It's up there for a while, because you're going to reference it every once in a while as I read to you some things. But I think this is extremely important, what I'm about to talk about here. Our spirits have already died with Christ unto sin, and are already resurrected unto newness of life, yet. Yet this newness of life, which is a reality in our spirits, 
does not automatically manifest itself in our flesh. And this verse makes it clear, Romans 6, 6 right there, that we have to know some things before this resurrection life flows from our spirit into our flesh. Okay? Facts. Facts, whether spiritual or natural, don't govern your life. It's your knowledge or perception of truths that control your physical emotions and experiences. Proverbs 23, 7 alludes to that. If someone lied to you about a family member having just died, you would experience sorrow or other negative emotions, even though there was no factual basis to feel that way. In the same way, if you were told that a family member had died and it was true, but you didn't believe the report, you would be spared those emotions. Likewise, we have had the power of sin broken in our lives by our death to sin, and we have the resurrection power of Christ's life in our spirits. But these facts won't change our experiences until we know them and begin to act accordingly. See, all Christians are already blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms, Ephesians 1, 3. However, how many of us know that and understand it to a degree that it truly impacts our lives? You know, Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. So, walking in resurrection power. He's still super cute. <laughs> walking in resurrection power in our physical lives is dependent on knowing that our old self is crucified. Do you guys hear that? Walking and resurrection power in our physical lives is dependent on knowing that our old self is crucified. If we don't believe that, there's not going to be the newness of life or victory for us that Jesus really desires. I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full. As explained in Galatians 2.20 and Galatians 5.24, our old selves are already crucified. You guys hear that? I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives within me. I've crucified my passions and desires to the cross, right? There's a battle, but I've crucified passions and desires to the cross. Yet, some people have effectively, avoid, have effectively voided the power of that truth. Mark 7, 13 says that. By teaching, by teaching this, that we still have an old self, the flesh, that we still have a sin nature that is constantly being resurrected from the dead. There is no scripture that mentions a daily or even periodical resurrection of our old self. Only Jesus has that power. Satan has no power to accomplish resurrection of any kind. This common belief that people still have an old self or a sin nature does not come from scripture. It comes through observation. People observe a drive to sin and they assume that it's their old sin nature that drives them to it. The scripture does teach that sin produced death. And therefore, everyone was born with a spirit that was dead to or separated from God. This is the part of people that the Bible calls sin or the old self. Therefore, the scriptures do teach that everyone was born with a sin nature or old self. But Paul was making a very clear presentation in these verses that for the Christian, the old self is dead. Christians do not have a nature that is driving them to sin. Okay, so if that's so, then why do we seem, sometimes seem so bound to sin even after we experience the new birth? A fair question, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. New creation. The old is gone. The new is here. The reason is that the old self left behind what this verse calls a body. 
Just as a person's spirit and soul leave behind a physical body at death, so the old self left behind old habits and old strongholds in our thoughts and our emotions. The reason we as Christians tend to sin is because of unrenewed minds, not because of a sin nature. You've been crucified with Christ, dead. Your house is not haunted. God made the mental part of us similar to a computer. We can program our minds so that certain actions and attitudes become automatic. For instance, when we were children, it was a major effort to tie shoelaces or button our shirts. But as adults, we can now perform those tasks without even thinking about what we're doing. It's like it's just a part of us. But in actuality, it's an acquired trait. Therefore, Christians do not have a part of them that is still of the devil and is driving them to sin, not in the spirit realm. Instead, Christians have been liberated from the part of them that was dead in sin. And the rest of the Christian life is a renewing of the mind that results in the resurrection life of Jesus being manifested in you and me in different ways. Do not conform to the patterns of this world anymore, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the glory of the new covenant says, as the Spirit transforms us, we will become more and more like Jesus. But your old self is dead. Someone might say, Todd, what's the difference? Whether it's my old self or an unrenewed mind, I still struggle with the desire to sin. And I think the difference is really big. If, if we still have a sin nature, then we're doomed to lives of schizophrenia split mind but if it's just our unrenewed minds that cause the problem that is catching up with our spirit the spirit of Christ then we can see the situation improve as we renew our minds so if people retain a sin nature even after the new birth and those who were bound by particular sins before salvation would still be bound by them after salvation they would just have to refrain from the physical acts but in their hearts they would continue to be guilty of committing those sins and thought. Matthew 5.22 alludes to that. Yet there's probably millions of examples of people who have experienced the new birth and they're so changed that the very sins that used to enslave them before salvation are now so repulsive to them that they have no desire to commit those acts. They can't even relate to their old selves that did those things because they're new people, they're new creations with renewed minds. And we've seen examples of that. And so... It's truly liberating to learn that we don't have to commit sins. Hear me on this. It's truly liberating to learn we don't have to commit sins. We choose to do so. Therefore, we can change through the, through the renewing of our minds because there's no longer a part of us that is a sinner by nature. Not through this new covenant with Jesus in Jesus, through the blood and righteousness of Jesus, even crucified. And this is the point Paul was making in this verse. To, to experience the resurrection life of Jesus, we have to first know that the old self is dead. And then, through the renewing of our minds, as we grow and mature in Christ through the power of the Spirit, we will destroy those old habits and strongholds. Remember he said, take thoughts captive, make them obedient to Christ. The weapons we fight against, they're not carnal, and they can demolish strongholds, right? And so I think this is extremely important. Old self is dead. So, as you kind of dwell in the revelation of that, you have it Romans 7. No, Romans 7 is talking about the hopelessness of the flesh pleasing God. 
before Christ and after Christ. You can't do it on your own. You need a Savior, and Romans 8 talks about the victory of that and life in the Spirit and how we grow in that. So you're dead to sin, alive in Christ. But we still battle, right? We have our days, we have our moments. We still choose to sin at different times. It doesn't mean you're not saved anymore. You know, you're still a new creation in Christ. It's not freedom to sin, but it's freedom from sin. And so how do you win this daily battle? I really believe it's a battlefield of the mind. The mind is the battlefield. And I truly, personally, Todd Miller believe Philippians 4, 4 through 9 is the key to unlocking how do I daily win the battle. And it's right here. The mind is the gateway to the heart. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. Because this is an incredible mindset that Paul lays out here. You guys with me on that? It's a mindset. And I'm telling you, for me personally, I believe as a Christian, we have to have a warrior mindset. You have to reject passivity. You have to accept the responsibility God's given co-laboring with you. And we have to lead courageously. But it's an intentional daily mindset that we get to choose to have. And Paul lays out here something that I think is wonderful. And I'm still just learning more and more about it. Look at this. Verse 4. We're going to look at verses 4 through 7 here. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. (laughs) But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So powerful. Right there, four through seven. So good. And see, joy, joy is something we have. That's a fruit of the Spirit, right? You have the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you as a new creation. You have that, whether you feel it right this moment or not, you have it. Joy is something we have. Rejoicing is something we do. Rejoicing is something that we choose to do. And so it's true that you can't rejoice at all times, especially if we're waiting for circumstances to be good. And even in the few times in life when everything seems to be just right, we'll still have some sorrow because of past tragedies or hurts or pains or future fears. Our rejoicing has to be in the Lord. That's why he says rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again. Two times he encouraged them to do this. And you guys know the irony that he's in prison as he's writing this. Because outward circumstances may sometimes be against us, no doubt. But my position in Christ does not change. So my inward joy, it can always be mine because I'm in the Lord. You're in the Lord. Joy is something you have. Rejoicing is something you do, and you rejoice in the Lord. You can't wait for everything to be just right. Walking in resurrection power is knowing that our old self was crucified, but it's also a mindset with the spirit of thanksgiving. So notice in Philippians 4, 6 up there that peace is the result of casting our cares upon the Lord through prayer and thanksgiving. However, there are times where I like to ask God to give me peace so that my cares will leave. But it doesn't work that way. He's saying through faith we cast our cares on the Lord and then God's peace comes. You know, in VBS, you're seeing, you know, cast your burdens onto Jesus. You know, but, but we, me, right now, in my life, right now, I am battling against anxiety. 
because I'm in the process of moving, you know, we're selling our house, starting all these new things, and then you do, you know, the God bless Matt McReynolds, who's a professional inspector of homes, but the inspector comes and, oh, he's the oracle, whatever he says, and you have to, you know, make all these changes in your house, and, you know, people get all nitpicky, and anxiety can come, but he's saying, don't be anxious about anything. By prayer and petition, present your request to God with a spirit of what? Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving. And he's going to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Cast your cares upon him and then see how the peace comes. Now, give me your peace right now, Lord, because you need to take this away. Well, no, cast your cares upon him and he will give you the peace. And so I'm walking through that right now. And then Philippians 4.8, this mindset continues. This is an extremely powerful verse, in my opinion. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. What do you choose to dwell upon? What do you choose to rehearse in your mind? It doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to come your way. But if you just dwell and focus on the negative in life, you're going to see the fruit of that, and it's not going to be good fruit. And, and really what he's given us here, Philippians 4, 4 through 9, it's not a suggestion. I see it as a command. And he's saying, but listen, let, let me help you out here. Here's the things you have to think about. Here's the things you have to dwell upon. Here's the mentality you have to flow in. It doesn't mean everything's just going to be hunky-dory your whole life. I mean, bad things happen, but what do you choose to think about? What do you choose to rehearse in your mind over and over? And you've heard me say this before. I can remember some of the songs of the musical I was in, and My Fair Lady is Professor Higgins in 1992 at Kickapoo. <laughs> because I rehearsed those songs over and over and over. What are you choosing to dwell upon? What are you choosing to think about? What are you choosing to focus upon? This is a mentality. And too often, Christians really give in to the spirit of negativity and criticism. I'm not saying you, you know, you can't look and see things for what they are, but we can easily become so critical of ourselves and others, you know, and then hurt people, hurt other people. It, you know, just, it can go on and on. But right here, he's, he's laying it out. And then he says this, he says, put it into practice. Put it into practice. And I wanted to share an experience with you. Years ago, my brother-in-law, Nick Fouts, and he, they, they do marriage retreats with Cedar Rock Ministries now. Some of you have been blessed by that. But years ago, before he went to be a missionary in Uganda, Africa, that he and Renee, his family, spent 10 years there with a the mission team in Imbarara, Uganda. We had a family retreat weekend at Camp Dakota before they left, just kind of wrap it up and say goodbye to him, and it was going to be sad to see him leave. And Nick introduced something called the hot seat to our family. And what it is, and some of you will be aware of this, but you, you put somebody in the center in a chair, and everybody around them in the family, it's got to be genuine and authentic, but you can only say the things you love and appreciate about that person. Now, it's called a hot seat because when you're receiving all these compliments, the only thing you can say is thank you. You can't belittle it. You can't say, oh, no, and, you know, stop. And you don't talk about the person. You talk to the person. That was a rule, too very personal it can be very intimate and i'm telling you it's really powerful it was extremely powerful and you know walton hook did this in youth ministry i've done this in youth ministry over the years where it retreats different times when you feel like it's appropriate 
you do that with the teenagers, and then they hear from their peers what they love and appreciate about them and how they see Jesus working in their lives. It is powerful. I mean, you talk about putting this into practice, this Philippians 4, 4, 8 mentality, and then you're just speaking life into people. You'll hear things that you would never, ever hear out loud otherwise. And you have somebody writing them down for the, each person and give it to them so they could take home and remind themselves because this is a daily thing we have to do. We have to remind ourselves daily. Renew the mind of the truth of God's word. We went over Romans 8, 31 through 39 in the young pros in class, more than conquerors. You having a tough time this week? Read Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Read Romans 8, 31 through 39. Be reminded of who you are. So I love it that Kevin said that earlier. That was a spirit moving. Because every day you have to remind yourself of who you are in Christ. You know, we're to know Jesus today a little bit more. We're to know who we are in Jesus today a little bit more. And we're to make him known. Know who you are in Christ. Know that the old self is crucified. It's gone. You may choose to sin, but you're not driven by a sin nature anymore. That's not what the Bible teaches. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So, yeah, it's a challenge. It's a battle. It's a struggle sometimes. But you are not alone. You have the advocate, the counselor, the comforter, his spirit living within you. You can't do it on your own, and he didn't want you to. And then you have people around you who can help you live out this Philippians 4, 4 through 9 mentality. Texan Easton, checking up on him this week. How you doing? Because he's going to have to medically redshirt this year after that unfortunate injury. How's your mindset? So well, you know, doing okay. So be honest with me. So well, it's getting tougher. Season's starting, and so we were talking back and forth about Philippians four, four through nine. It's not easy, but he wouldn't give it to us if it was unobtainable. But it's only obtainable through his Spirit and much grace on his part, and growing in the knowledge and knowing who we are in Christ, and daily renewing our minds of that truth. It's really good news who you are in Jesus. In this mentality, I want to live this out. This last slide. To experience the resurrection life of Jesus, we have to know that the old self is dead. And then through the renewing of our minds, as we think, as we choose to dwell on what is excellent or praiseworthy, we will overflow with hope and life by the power of the Holy Spirit as we trust in Him. So to win the battle, you have to win the day. So I want to leave you with this. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to flow that into Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ever asked or imagined, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you for letting me serve with you. If you need prayers of any kind, if you want to take... Jesus Christ on in baptism and become a new creation. We have shepherds in the back and the front. I'll be in the front. Come while we stand and sing. Who has held